You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship at growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So what I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. We're going to put them on the virtual hot seat with a um, and sort of yeah get your perspective on this and we'll sort of brain brainstorm a few ideas around maybe some solutions or maybe we will help this person ask themselves some better questions. Maybe that is ultimately the uh, the solution yep. that they're after. But um, today's challenge question is. We have had to do some serious restructuring in the wake of the pandemic, both in terms of service offerings and target market. It has taken far longer than anticipated and revenues are at a serious low point and the pressure is feeding down throughout the company and I'm seeing it affect our salespeople the hardest. How do I help our salespeople sell to prospective clients so they don't sound desperate, even though, and this is in brackets, even though we are? Obviously, we don't have the context of, of exactly what kind of business this is, but we can make some assumptions here. So, What's your initial gut reaction when you hear that kind of thing? I'm minded of the old Chinese um, uh, proverb uh, or question, um, which is, when is the best time to plant an oak tree 20 years ago? Um, The problem started um, long before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. The symptoms uh, manifested during the pandemic. The problem was that they were not customer centric. They probably think they were, um, but. When I had my training business last year, um, not one of my clients was uh, trading throughout the pandemic at less than 120% of quota. And we had, um, you know, the, the average range was somewhere between 120 and 240%, with a couple of outliers at 3,000 to 5,000% up. Um, and the difference was they start with the customer at the heart. Um, so what are the jobs that your customers are trying to get done? Start with that. Um, what, are the, what can they uh, achieve on their own and where do they need help? Um, what progress are they making? Where are they not making progress? Um, go back and speak to your customers. Find out without trying to sell them anything. And this is why I said right at the beginning and why I'm on this mission. Um, the problem starts when you are selfishly self-interested in trying to hit your quota. Um, because then the default setting is try and peddle them a product. And then you start falling back on features and functionality. Um, 
that's not what the customer buys. The customer rents outcomes. Hmm. And they rent the outcome only when and for as long as it's relevant to them. So how can you make yourself contextually relevant? How can you be timely? And how can you be responsive to their needs? And that mm. means you have to subsume your need to hit quota. What you need to do is you need your management team to stop ragging on middle management and then ragging on sales. And you have to go out and you've got to speak to your customers. You need to understand the journey that they are going on. Um, and they will have shifted. Your ideal customer profile has probably changed. Uh, well, they definitely indicate that in in the question. And I think that, you know, when they talk about um, we've done some serious restructuring, both in terms of service offering and target market. So as you we don't have to that customer sort of, to do that, though. Exactly. That is my fear. Right? If what they have done, if they, if they've gone into their kind of black hole and they have thought, right, we need to do this. We need to fix it because maybe their um, their original target client was in an industry that has you know massively collapsed and, and that, retail travel. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's unfortunate. If that is the case, that is unfortunate, and they have to obviously maybe pivot or do something, uh, or maybe they don't because maybe if it's as you speaking about speaking to their client and finding out what is it now that they need, like those options. So I hope I'm not doing this person a disservice and, and suggesting this is the way that they went. I am hoping that they did exactly what we've just discussed here, which is they spoke to their customer and they found out exactly what they want. Not sure. Unlikely, given that they're still tanking um, yeah. based on that question. I'll give you uh, one of my favorite examples. My good friend, Simon Leslie, runs a company called Inc. Now, he ran 34 in-flight magazines. He's doing 120 million a year. And then the pandemic hit. And he went from 120 million to 10 million overnight. Yeah, but uh, and he's written a fabulous. Even my gut went with hearing that kind of like drop. That's insane. He's, he's written a fabulous book called "There's No F in Sales," um, and it's a strong recommend because his his mentality is fantastic. And he looked at the situation and accepted it for what it was, and then he pivoted, and he's now bought a television network in American airports off CNN, and so all the advertising that you see in CNN. Uh, sorry, in American airports now is done through Simon's business. Um, the in-flight magazines will come back later. Um, he's partnered up with a company called Gap in the Matrix. And what they do is they understand um, how to unlock consumer decision making. And so as a result, advertising can now be targeted to individuals, individual uh, travelers, um, so that they buy the £15,000 tag hire watch um, whilst they're on the plane. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's just genius. The fact that they've actually taken the step back mm -hmm. and thought, OK, so how do our consumers behave? What drives their decision making? Um, you can look at um, the, the life cycle of how customers buy. In those first two phases of making space and passive looking, they're not going to be responsive or positively responsive uh, to a sales conversation. This is where you need to create massive value. And this is where your salespeople need to create their personal brand. Um, now, one of the reasons why my business didn't even take a, uh, you know, take a hiccup uh, when I left my previous uh, franchise and started up uh, my new business was because I built a personal brand. 
Um, mm. And that personal brand has allowed me to build a solid pipeline consistently for the last six months uh, since I left. And I'm turning business away. I've got choice and so on. But your salespeople need to build a personal brand. Um, the next thing you need to do is be able to identify when prospects are moving from phase two, passive looking, to active looking. So there's technologies out there. One, um, and again, full disclosure, I'm the uh, chief revenue officer for this company. And the reason I've chosen to take on that role is because it helps to identify people who are moving from passive to active looking and tells you whether they have a high propensity to welcome a sales call at this moment, this month. Mm. And which of your salespeople should speak to that individual because they are the most likely to be able to create a warm relationship and engage in a sales conversation that advances to the next stage. Now, that technology is out there, White Rabbit Intel. Okay, then um, what do you do to move them through that process? Well, you've got to subsume your desire to make the sale and you've got to try and engage with or you've got to engage with them to understand what they're trying to do. So you stop talking about products. An average uh, advert for uh, a car is car, engine, metal, price. Okay, but actually, great advertising shows how people use the car. Um, mm. So, um, it, uh, uh, Gap in the Matrix has just done a campaign for one of their car uh, manufacturing clients. And what's really great about the advert is you see yourself using it and you want more information at the end, even though I've got no interest in an MPV. Mm. I've got no interest in it, but I felt compelled at the end because they'd unlocked that, uh, you know, how people use it. And so uh, seeing the, the through the customer's eyes, you don't think about the customer, you think as the customer. And this is why you need your marketing people speaking to the customer. This is why your customer success people need to be involved, your salespeople. And you need to speak to unhappy customers. Unhappy customers will tell you what's wrong with your product, and they will tell you how to increase uh, product development cycles um, or speed them up by 600%. Who wouldn't want that? That's free advice to make more profit. Um, you need to plan. You also need to be clear about who you do not want as a customer. Um, but the problem is that often, uh, and like the questioner, um, I suspect, what they've done is they haven't really asked themselves who is our, really our ideal customer. Mm -hmm. Who are we best set up to serve and to help achieve their outcomes? Um, because I, I remember working um, recently uh, with one prospect of ours, um, and they haven't changed their ICP in 30 years. I mean, that, that, that's four recessions yeah. Yeah, and a pandemic. Yeah. And they haven't changed their ICP, and they were wondering why their sales were consistently plummeting. Yeah, it's crazy. But I, I think that, I mean, there is there is an awful lot in there. I think that this person can take away one is that maybe the way that one of the first things you can do, which I think is incredibly valuable, not a lot of people even think about, let alone do, is that whole help your salespeople create their personal brand, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it, personal brand, um, you know, authority, whatever yeah. you want to call it, um, no, be known in the marketplace. Um, I I don't think enough people encourage this because of the fear that that salesperson becomes more valuable than the company. Yeah. Or, you know, that kind of thing. But there are many, many examples of this working brilliantly. And one of those is is a previous guest of this show, um, Ethan Butte of Bonbon. Bon. They, you know, he's his his entire role is the chief evangelist of the of and, and you sort of think, 
Oh, right. He's the chief evangelist of Bombom. No, he is the chief evangelist for the customer. Yeah. His entire, like their podcast is the customer success podcast. I think it's a customer success. Ethan, sorry if you're listening and I got that wrong, but it's, it's all about that. Now he is his own personal brand and it's not just him within that company. There are multiple other um, people within that company and everyone is encouraged to have their own presence on places like LinkedIn, for example. There's another example of a, a, a company called Sweetfish Media. Um, they do a very similar thing and they're actively encouraging their people to go out there and uh, James Carnaby, his name is, he's written a very good book, um, content-based networking, very, very good book. Um, and the, what they are doing, and, and they are actively showing how this is making a dramatic impact on their revenues, their growth. Well, there are three other things I would strongly suggest people do. One, four. Uh, one is start thinking with an infinite mindset rather than a finite mindset. A finite mindset um, has a win-lose because you're trying to take a bigger slice of a shrinking pie. A finite mindset is how do we make the pie bigger? And then you don't worry about your competition. In fact, you collaborate with them. Um, Second is um, build a community. Now, for you to do this, you also have to have an infinite mindset because you have to concede control to the community. You're not trying to create a following. What you want to do is build a... um, live experimental laboratory where your customers are talking about you behind your back constantly um, and you need to be ready to take the rough with the smooth and you need to let them take the lead once you built the momentum the third thing is change your compensation plan your compensation plan probably rewards the front-end transaction and winning the logo change your compensation plan to reward a little bit for winning the logo a lot for when the customer achieves the outcome originally invested products to achieve more um, for consumption and adoption more for renewal and more for repeat and um, uh, extension business so cross sales and upsells Um, and uh, reward everybody in the value chain who has contributed to the customer's success not just sales marketing operations professional services finance Um, product development, because then you drive massive discretionary effort. Um, The next thing is change what you consider to be great in recruitment when it comes to sales. Um, What passes for average in sales, uh, sorry, what passes for great in sales nowadays is good at new business, hunter, um, winning mentality, winning mindset, um, money orientated. That creates transactional sellers. Change your investor uh, investor culture and your leadership culture. Change the compensation mechanism um, of how your executive team is measured because they'll tell you that they're customer-centric, but when it comes to the end of the quarter, um, they will be ragging on your uh, sales managers and your salespeople to bring in deals at any cost, no matter what. Um, And Mm. that drives unintended consequences. And I go back to Bernard's quote, The conduct and behavior of the money behind you will permeate into the business. Um, So check out, have you got the right investors? Are they investing in your business because they want the business to be successful or because they want to make a killing when they eventually exit and only a few people make a lot of money? Um, So look at 
maybe something like an accretive investment model where uh, you trade publicly listed shares for private shares um, and you invest in profitable, successful businesses and adding another million pounds of profit uh, to the public business um, then increases the share price. So by doing that trade, they automatically get a win and you increase the value. So um, my pal Callum Lang has gone from zero to 300 million in five years just by doing this. It's a fantastic model. Um, wow. And uh, the, the other thing I would definitely look at um, is ask whether or not um, your values are aligned with your customers and your partners. And to finish on this, um, partners. Um, you, uh, both of you and I have in, uh, interviewed Tom Matson, and he yes. makes the point that it's almost impossible not to 10x your business if you build the right strategic alliances. If yes. you're trying to grow it direct, this is where a lot of the conflict comes because the direct business will try and steal from your channel. Uh, your CFO will not want to invest in your partners. Um, I think MDF, Marketing Development Fund, is a big, big no-no. What you should be doing is a partner development fund, and you should invest in your partner's businesses and help them market themselves, mm. and help them grow their business. Because as a, a partner to your partners, what you should be doing is focusing on making them wildly successful. And when you engage with a partner, my pal Zach Seltz, 30 years, um, probably um, uh, over a thousand partnerships in 130 countries. Um, and he's generated hundreds of billions of dollars worth of additional business for the, um, his employers. Um, he always makes the point that when you engage with a new partner, have them contractually agree to give you 50% of the best salesperson's time for the next three months. Uh, or six months, and um, in that time, have a clear uh, roadmap of what is expected on both sides. Do not give them exclusivity until they have met their side and you have met your side of that agreement. Um, and in doing that, you're putting money in their backs, you uh, get their second or third sale in the first 120 days, then other salespeople on the team say, we want a piece of that as well. And uh, you see these things being completely butchered because of uh, a finite mindset, greed, selfishness, this desire for control. The paradox is by letting go of control and allowing yourself to think differently, think bigger, um, the pie grows and everybody mm. wins. But again, it does require consistency and it requires um, you know, good planning before you start the partnership. Well, that is unfortunately or I don't know, maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective, that is the thing that really separates the, uh, the, the average from the good and the good from the great. It's consistency and it's, it's, it's having that clear path, that clear roadmap. But I think that we just don't, there's too many of us that are just, again, reactive. We're not really thinking, what is that clear path? What do I need to do consistently to achieve the ultimate goal. Uh, what is my ultimate goal? All that sort of thing. So I, I think that there is an awful lot in there that, um, you know, can be, you know, there's, there's a lot of higher level stuff in there. If you go back and listen and actually, you know, I'm going to have to go back and listen to, to, to some of what Marcus has just said there, because, you know, there, there, what I, I guess what I want you to sort of, you know, listening is, is to hear that there are many, many different ways of thinking. And what Marcus has just displayed 
is, is, is kind of like a masterclass in, in thinking, if I may say that. Thank you. It, it's, it's kind of like where, you know, what is, what is behind this question? What is the ultimate sort of thing? And, and I think sometimes when I get some of these questions, they're, they're hoping for a, a, a tactic or, or a, a quick fix or, or something like that. Whereas really what, what, what Marcus has gone through there is like the, it's, it's gold. Like you can pull some of that apart and there are, there are a lot of very, very profitable ideas in there. So thank you very much for sharing. It's, it's my pleasure. I'll just finish on one point. You need to start thinking how you can serve others and in serving others, then everything else starts to make sense. Do not think about your selfish self-interest. How will you make your partners, your customers, your customers, customers wildly successful? And remember selling and marketing are service businesses, and we've forgotten that. And that's why we've set up Sales of Force for Good to remind us. Absolutely, and and you know it's it's the uh, philosophy behind this podcast. It's a rising tide lifts all ships. That's why we invite people to send in their challenges, so that as a collective, you know, me, the guest, and also um, you know the panels that we do, the live sessions, we can actually help people out there. And this is my version of of, of understanding what is going on in the lives of, of clients and customers you know i'm not guessing anymore with what people are struggling with i'm having people sending in their challenges and i'm, I'm actually able to exercise my thinking and do it alongside another very smart person that has, has sort of you know got the experience and the uh, the battle scars and, and the expertise in in very different areas but we get very different answers. I'm sure if I ask that very same question to any other different guests, we get very different answers. But that is the beauty of it. That is why having your, you know, a community is why having that network and, and, and you know, the rising tide lifts all ship philosophy is you can't do it alone. Like you really can't. And if you think you can, then, you know, I've got news for you. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it just doesn't work. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, the conversational relationship marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get updated as the new episodes come out. And finally, last favor, please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one. They mean the world for me. I love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well. So if you want to go and do that, I'd really appreciate it. But until next time, have an awesome day and we'll speak soon.